Hello and welcome to episode 168 of the Saints Score podcast, where we, well, at the moment, sadly, talk about everything around Southampton Football Club. Normally, a heart-wrenching semi-final defeat would be the main talking point, but it holds just a fraction of the importance after the Saints' away defeat to Brentford. As one team in red and white moves up the table with European football in their thoughts, the other couldn't be further away. The thrashing at Brentford was the beginning of the end for Ralph Hasenu to last season. Will it be the same for Nathan Jones? Jones this. My name's Harry Tizard and I've, you know, we've got a full panel this week. Jamie Allen, Mikey Mayman and Ollie Boast. Mikey, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. It's been a good day today. I went up to West Ham to do my level two in video, uh, not video scouting, just in scouting and talent ID, which was Ooh. a lot of fun. I'm going up there at the end, uh, the start of March as well, next March. But yeah, it was quite nice. Did a couple of new things that were quite nice to learn and, and get involved in and yeah it was good fun um yeah so yeah it was good nice jamie how about you i'm decent i'm i'm, I'm now a tiktok star so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you or the listeners have checked out our tiktok page yet but we have some new content over there some match day vlogs what our most recent video is me trying to get a saints players signature on one of the shirts i have in my mighty collection so go over there to find out who it was yeah, I mean, one of the vlogs, there's just endless abuse from Newcastle fans. Yeah. Um, but it, it helped us because it means that more mm. people see it, I guess. Over 65 um, comments of Newcastle fans calling us rude names. Yeah. <laughs> no, to be fair, a couple of them did say, you know, we respect the, the trip that you went up there. So a lot of mm. them I respect and a lot of the other ones I, I felt very hurt by. But, you know, that's, that's the way of the internet. Uh, Ollie, how are you feeling this week? Uh, yeah, not bad. Um, I pulled my hamstring today, which wasn't very fun. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I played 45 minutes and there was a kind of last minute break, um, running back from, you know, when it kind of goes end to end when there's a minute left and I was running <laughs> and then bang, I was like, I cannot move anymore. So, um, it was, it got into halftime one nil and then we lost the second half, uh, three one. So we ended up losing four one in the end. So it was kind of sad in a way, but then it was also kind of like a little bit of like personal, like it all kind of fell apart when I left. So I was kind of secretly kind of happy with that. <laughs> but hey, that's not what matters. But anyway, yeah. So I'm hobbling around the house. So the hamstring's not feeling great, but mood wise, I'm I'm doing well. Thank you. Nice. Well, you couldn't really move around the pitch and it felt like at St. James's Park, the Saints defenders were stuck in the mud, at least in the first 20 minutes anyway. It was... It was difficult, Sean Longstaff, in the first five minutes. And I said in the podcast before, just give us hope. You know, me and Jamie, as well as thousands of other Saints fans, went up there. We wanted hope. And a lot of that went out the window five minutes in when Longstaff scored his first. And then it all went after his second. 3-0 down on aggregate. Che did get one back. But sadly, it wasn't really... It wasn't meant to be for our semi-final, Jamie, was it? How did you view the game? It was very frustrating because I thought it was a poor lineup at the start. Then, then obviously the switch at half time that made us feel a lot more comfortable, more secure. And then it was a strong Newcastle team we faced as they are in the top four now. So, is it the manager's fault or are they just too good? Yeah, I mean, at 3 0 down and against a team that hadn't conceded uh, in a very, very long time, it's always going to be difficult. Mikey, what did you think of the game? And what do you think about James Bree getting his debut? A lot of trust from Nathan Jones. And after a maybe a, a difficult start, I think he had a, quite a strong second half, all things considered. Yeah, I think James Bree had a, he had a decent game. He, he got put into a very difficult situation um, in the first half, having constantly been two on one with players and. 
and struggling. And I mean, Jones, you can tell he likes him because of his aggression and the way that he wants to put in a challenge. And I think he sees a lot of himself in James Bree, and that's why he's going to start getting starts over maybe a couple of other of the fullback options over the next couple of weeks. And yeah, I mean, he had a decent display, got forward a couple of times in the second half, but by that point, Newcastle were already 3-1 up in the tie and, and you know, they were happy to sit in, especially when they went down a 10. So yeah, it, it was an all right debut for against a really, really top side in Newcastle. So yeah, he did all right at the end of the day. A lot of people talked about the systems, Ollie. Did he start with the wrong system or a lot? That was a lot of it just to do with the fact that we weren't tracking Sean Longstaff and twice he sort of had a, a free reign just to jog into the box and he's got not not an open goal, he's still got to beat Gavin Bazunu, but you know, if you find one of the corners it's it's difficult to stop. Yeah, uh, Newcastle were just so impressive with the way they moved the ball around really quick. Two touch, sometimes even one touch, and then when they got it around our box, they just kind of had the space. And sometimes you have to look at it and think Yes, five of the five of the back puts more behind the ball, so it takes one out of the midfield. And then sometimes you put an extra man in the midfield, and then the the defense gets split open. So sometimes you just have individual not talent, but as a whole team, Newcastle were incredibly confident on the ball, playing progressive, quick passes. And I just don't think we can handle it. Sometimes it's it's tough to say, but it just look, didn't look like we can handle it. And the disappointing part is that it didn't come on later in the game where possibly we might have been tired or the uh, you know the concentration wavers or new subs didn't quite work it was in the first 20 minutes and that's when you really hope the players have that energy to match them because even if they're not they can't quite handle it for a whole 90 minutes you'd hope at least the first 20 minutes they could they could keep up and use that energy to at least stick with it but yeah, unfortunately not. We got we got punished in the first twenty minutes, and it was a real sucker punch um, for for me watching it. And I bet it bet it was for you guys as well because you travelled up all that way, and it almost felt like game over within about twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean the nine hour trip overall was all. It's always worth it to see Saints, but yeah, so it's always difficult. You sort of mentioned it at the start, Jay, but was it just one of the cases where we just came up against a much a much better team, or did you feel because you sort of said it at the podcast before that we did have a bit of a chance? And this is. You know, one nil down overall. This could have catapulted our season if we, if we somehow got through. Even though everyone sort of wrote us off, I think talking to Mikey beforehand, he said that in the hour long build up, we had about seven minutes to talk about. They talked about us compared to uh, Newcastle. So, what are your thoughts on that? Firstly, he said nine hour overall trip. It was sixteen hours overall trip, Harry. Let's <laughs> get the facts right. It was a painful way up, but I think. It was a very naive start from Jones. They said we were 1-0 down at St. Mary's and going five at the back and we're trying to get goals, let alone score them. Wait, what? Get goals, let alone defend them. There we go. Mm. It's just very silly because we should have just gone all-out attack because that's what we were there for to do because, like I said, we're down in the tie and 90 minutes to go. You had 90 minutes to put your heart on your sleeve and go out there and get and get and do something for the club. However, Jones didn't see it that way and wanted to go defensively. But like I previously mentioned, the switch at half-time really made a difference. I think if we started with that and with the Chad goal, we could have built and built on it and possibly made, the same, made it to Wembley. However, it wasn't to be. Yeah, well, we're out of the Carabao Cup for this season anyway, and it's just time to focus on the Premier League and the FA Cup. We've still got a chance of that. Luton or Grimsby, you know, one of the teams that me and Mikey said that we wanted, so at least we've got that, you know, that ticked oh, yeah. off the list. 
Um, I'm, we're still not sure which one that's going to be just yet. But now it's time to talk about Brentford. Uh, ben Mee and Brian and Buemu just before half time mate put us 2-0 down and you know when you concede the first one to Ben Mee so I think get into half time 1-0 down you can make changes no it, that's sadly not how it went and it's it's always difficult 3-0 down Jensen later in the game Ollie, where did it go wrong? Where did it go right? We never really got off the mark we were sloppy and the one thing that annoyed me the most and I continued seeing it repeatedly throughout the game was Sloppy passes, just giving the ball back to the opposition. Not even a, a missed touch or a poor touch or a pass. It was passes that were straight back to the opposition, that they were weak, they were slow, they could be intercepted. And it meant that Brentford could start their counter-attack, which they love to do, straight away. And it was just continuous, like all the time. We'd win the ball back, we'd panic, we'd hoof it, give it straight back to the opposition. we try and play out the back, the pass would just get intercepted straight away so it just meant we were basically defending for the whole time and showed no real promise or attacking threat at all to Brentford and they completely outclassed us which is really disappointing yet again to say considering the position that they've been in the last five years and where we have been we've been slowly getting worse and they're just continuing to build and become better. Marky how did how do you view the game? Um, similar to Ollie in the fact that it's been it's been something that we've had all year is the inability to keep the ball. And I think the, the I, I understand that Lavia came in to be a bit of a replacement for Romeu and, and you can see the quality there, but we don't have that six who can stabilize like Romeu did. And we don't have players who can build. I think we miss. I I know it worked at Everton, but it hasn't worked at all playing Wall Prowse higher up the pitch. I think we miss him back being able to build play. I think we lose so much with Wall Prowse coming deeper than than having him higher up the field. Um, I know there's elements that he adds up the field, but we've seen this Wall Prowse. I, I know he's grown and he's developed and he, he's become a better player, but. We've seen this Warprouse six years ago playing up higher up the field and he, it doesn't feel like he can do it. It doesn't feel like he has that cutting edge and, edge and aggressiveness to be a second striker, number 10 facilitator. So I, I think we miss that in build-up of just having players who are comfortable on the ball. Our centre-halves are shocking at keeping possession. We're, we're the third-worst team in the league keeping possession, and that's behind Brentford, who, as much as they don't keep the ball, they're effective when they play it, and they have someone like Ivan Tony to play off of, which hopefully that's what Onoachu will be for us. But no, it's it's the inability to be calm and keep the ball just makes us so easy to play against because what we want like under Hassan to what we want to do as a side is press teams high teams just press us high because we we are we are so uncomposed on the ball that they just nick it off us straight away and all of a sudden we're out of possession again we don't even give us a chance to start attacking and getting the ball forwards um and again it's elements like bits and pieces where we feel like oh we've done this okay we've done this all right but it's not enough in the end because we just don't have that quality to be able to compete in the Premier League anymore. We just don't. Um, and it's another game where we've come away conceding three shots on target and conceding three goals. Uh, it, it's just, I, I, I don't know. It, it just, it, 
and it could be more because Salisu blocked two on the line or something like that as well, didn't he? Uh, at the end of it, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's just yeah, you, you sort of shrug your shoulders at some point and go, we don't really know how else we can get players out of this, like out of this situation. Pick up on pick up on something you said and going back a couple of podcasts ago. I think all of us sort of wax lyrical about James Will Prowse playing in a more advanced position. What would you do with the midfield then, Mikey? If you in some games he's really good as the ten, sometimes he's not so great. Would you put someone else there, drop Will Prowse deeper? What's the sort of structure that you'd want to see? I I would put Will Prowse as one of the deeper players. I think and and I I don't want to keep comparing to Hassan Hutel, but under Hassan we've so key in keeping the ball when we were in like those sort of possession deeper areas. I think he works so well doing that and having that ability to pick the ball up and look for a switch of play. It gives him the time to be effective. Well, I don't think he's overly effective when he doesn't have time on the ball. So I think him being deeper allows him to get his head up, scan the pitch, see what's there, and then be able to play it. It allows him to play that almost quarterbackish role, like where he can dictate that play and can be be an influence. So I'd I'd um it's hard because the one that I put in there is Stuart Armstrong and and he's not in like the 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 um the game at the moment. You you maybe look with Suleimana coming in and a dozy on a wing. You might want to play a four four two and and just make it really structured. I would genuinely just simplify everything. Like against Newcastle, when the formation came out, it was sort of like okay, we're going to stay in it. We're not we're not looking to go and attack for the first forty five. We're looking to just stay in the game for as long as possible and try and nick something, which. Even though it's not an agreeable tactic, it's it's a tactic nonetheless, and it's something that we could we had a possibility of doing and i was hoping that the three in midfield which is alcohol Walprouse and diallo would match up to the three in midfield in newcastle because that's what we didn't do last time we didn't match up a three and a three so i was hoping we would do that we didn't in the end Walprouse played like this sort of half role as a right attacking winger and coming back and adam armstrong was doing a similar thing and that's why players got in the box completely untracked because we weren't I just felt like we could have gone man-to-man in the midfield, right, these are your three players, these are the three players you're picking up on, these are the ones you're tracking into the box, and we sort of give up the wide areas, and we ended up just giving up the wide areas and the midfield. And that's sort of what it seems to be, is <sighs> Jones seems like he overcomplicates things in the first half and then fixes them in the second, because it's always, it's always better in the second half. It's always been better in the second half under Jones. And it feels like he can fix the problems, but it feels like he comes up with the problems in the first place that <laughs> shouldn't really need fixing at half time. I sort of said a similar thing to Jamie when Carl Walker-Peters got injured against Newcastle and I said he should put on Parat here but he's going to put on mm. a dozy, not make a simple change and it's he's going to have to change something in the second half and he puts on a dozy, he puts, then puts on Parat in the second half, goes to a flat four and then things have to change again. Jamie, does this result, I mean, I, I'm going into this, I know we all predicted a win but Deep, deep down, I probably thought you know we'd lose to Brentford simply due to the fact that their impressive home record, the fact that what Ollie said, that they're going in the right direction. Is this result further compounded by the fact that Everton are clearly going in the right direction? I want to get a, a bit onto them a bit earlier, uh, sorry, a bit later. And they beat Arsenal. The fact that West Ham got a point against Newcastle. The fact that Wolves beat Liverpool. The fact that Nottingham Forest got three points against Leeds, a, another relegation rival. And the fact that Leicester beat Aston Villa. All the people around us 
a seeming, apart from Bournemouth, who you know quite, quite unlucky in a way uh, to not get anything out of Brighton and Leeds in that in that way as well. Um, all of them got positive results, and it feels like you know in a couple of weeks' time, if things don't change, we could be cut adrift or have a serious, serious problem on our hands where there might be a points gap that we won't be able to make up. It's a little, now three points behind everyone. So if we do get a win, we're still slap bang at bottom of the league. And I just think I, I, I never, never want to come on the podcast being say manager needs to leave. However, I'm getting to that point now because like, I'm just fed up of seeing like Mikey mentioned earlier, the better in the second half is I'm just fed up of seeing that. I'm fed up of it being an excuse and him in his interviews being so obnoxious about it. So yes, I could fix his mistakes, but however, like I said, he does it himself. And it's just getting scary now because it is getting to the point where we are slowly, slowly getting behind everyone. And it's just not where this club belongs. We see the money we invested with second most spent in Europe and it's not improving. I know the two players have only had, what, 45 minutes under their belt, but I'm not too sure what Jones will be able to do with them apart from what chuck them on under with no training under the belt just purely because their quality is better. But... It looks like, apart from maybe Bournemouth, we are getting in that little gap. It's going to be building and building, and it's not looking good. I don't know about the timeline, but on Twitter beforehand, it felt like a lot of people saw this result coming. Did did you? I was. Mm, <coughs> I wasn't particularly confident, to be honest. I remember in the build-up, I was yeah i just don't have that i don't have that positivity going into games anymore which is really sad because it almost takes away from my enjoyment the part of football which i think we all enjoy is that is that feeling that you never know what could happen and you have your down moments where it doesn't go well but we've had points like the man city game where you have that elation and you're surprised but at the moment we're really really down in the in the pits that we haven't had a good set of a result that we can really be happy with for a while and yeah it just makes it difficult to get up for a game and I really commend those fans that still go to every away game even you two yourself going the however many hours journey it was up north to go and watch a game I'm really seriously impressed because sometimes I can't I really can't bring the strength to switch on the radio or the minute by minute it's tough being a fan right now and I mean if everyone can try and stick with it, but I mean, what we're seeing at the moment is it is really tough. And yeah, going back to your original question, the closer I get to the game, the the less confident I feel, which is a real horrible thing to say. But I'm not seeing the things that give me confidence. Jamie, this was possibly mm. a small problem at the start, but the fact that we lost in such an emphatic way makes it an even bigger one. And was the B team beforehand? Like, I understand why Gineppo. Uh, was playing for the B team, he needed minutes. I understand why Belakotchiak played for the B team because he wasn't going to start, he needs minutes. And even to an extent, I understand why Orsic played 90 minutes because the fact that he hadn't played too much. But I was a bit surprised about Chaleta Sire getting 45 minutes, don't get me wrong, that means that he had a chance of getting in the squad, but he wasn't even in the squad for Brentford and he didn't play on Tuesday, but it, it sort of felt that Nathan Jones said that it almost felt like the way he worded it was like he couldn't have played on Wednesday uh, sorry Tuesday against Newcastle and that's why he then played on Friday for the B team because he missed 10 days but he was available he's on the bench um, against Newcastle but travelled however many hours up and back not as much as us on the coach I guess they would have got a plane up um, but he was there he was available Were you surprised to see that that B team line up well I just don't really understand it's Bednarek hasn't played for Villa and 
goodness knows how long. But he can come straight into the starting eleven. But Kletasar can't, and he's arguably our best centre back at the club. And so I understand what Jones thinks. Uh, Jones like reasoning. You kind of think oh, that kind of makes sense, yeah. But then just does the opposite with Bednarek. Don't worry, I'm I'm still a fan of Bednarek. I like him because he's a leader in the pitch. Yes, he can have it. He does have his mistake in him. However, starting him over Kletasar is crazy because like, the reasoning is just completely. Like condescending himself, I just, I just think Jones is just coming up with excuses left, right, and centre now, and unfortunately, he needs to stop and his own up that he's not the best manager in Europe. With all that other silliness he was saying, and it just needs to realise he isn't doing well, and he's saying that he's compromising the Saints fans and compromising the team playing away doesn't like to play. But when has it ever been a consistent style, style in the team? If you really are the boss, just play how you want to play, and if you're meant to be this good. Don't do what the fans say. And if it is good, why would we complain? Yeah. And it feels like a lot of the time, we haven't really talked about much of the action on the pitch rather than, you know, what's going on around it. But on the pitch, the same mistakes, it felt like they've been made, even though he's been here for three months. And at the start, he was sort of, you know, when he came into the club, he was talking about how it's going to take time for us, you know, to stamp down the philosophy and eventually he's going to show us a team that we want to see. But then I look at Sean Dyche at Everton, and I, I know we didn't go, go after him in the end, but maybe we should have done, because he didn't get a transfer window, or maybe he got two days of a transfer window when he lost his best player and wasn't able to bring anyone else in. And in those few days that he got with a team that had absolutely no confidence, uh, you know, we beat them at Goodison Park. They were able to beat the league leaders. You know, he's using the players that you know, a lot of people didn't have any confidence in, and they've made them a together group in about a week. Mikey, what, what do you think of that? at the end of the day football's a results based business you, you you go out there and you have to get three points no matter if you play well or you pl- don't play well and especially in our position you need it I mean any club does and what you have in Sean Dice is you have a pragmatic manager you have a manager who yes he has his principles yes he has the way that he likes to play and, and playing in that 4-4-2 or 4-4-1 and looking to be direct but he's pragmatic he 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 changes things when he when he has to and he he simplifies things when he has to and he puts them in a position to have the best chance to win on saturday i think that's that's really key and i i feel like it's harsh to say to jones that he doesn't because like what else is he doing like that is his job is to get us in the best position to win three points on saturday but if it's not working then change something and that's the thing that has really it's annoyed me about the Hassan Hootel sacking it's it's annoyed me because we've gone from four years of him and yes it wasn't working of course it wasn't working because we weren't doing well in the league and like it it just feels like nothing's changed since he's gone and someone else has come in and nothing's changed like and not even like style of play wise because we were five back four back switching left right and center under Hassan Hutel and we were pressing high then we weren't pressing high and all of the stuff underneath and we've done the exact same rigmarole run around ring rows whatever you want to call it under Jones and nothing's changed we like there's I, I know this is another statistic and it's all like predictive modeling, but there's a statistic called expected points, which if you play the game a hundred thousand times, what percentage of points are you expected to get? And under Hasanuto in the 15 games we had, we was expected to get around about 16 points. So that's just over one a game. 
under Jones, we're expected to get 0.97. So nothing's changed. <laughs> Literally nothing has changed. It's it's a better like understanding of point than points because points can be won and lost against anything. So literally our performances haven't got better they've actually got slightly worse and if it, it it means that jones has to change and i hope with his massive outburst that he's had on 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 the bbc match of the day interview and with adam blackmore that i hope he 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 does change it i hope he does go to his principles whatever he's been doing for the last three months a why because mm. you're the manager they've bought you in they haven't bought you to then go oh no the fans want this oh no the players no you're the manager you're the one with who if, if it doesn't work you're the one on the chopping block it's your job that's going to go no one else's it's your job so you've got to do things your way and it oh, it just annoys me that he's come out and gone like, oh, no, it's not my fault. I've been doing this. So what have you been doing? <laughs> Do it your way. It was working at Luton. You've come out with all these statistics, all of these fantastic, wonderful things that you've come out on your interviews and stuff like that saying, oh, no, I've I've been doing I've been doing this at Luton. and It's working really well. Do it here then, if it works really well. <laughs> like, if you're one of the best managers in Europe, like you say that you are, do it and 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 prove to the fans that you are because at the moment he's not proved anything he, he's just proved that he just gets angry sometimes and that's it like it it it, it just does frustrate me and it it shows he, he knows he, he does know what he's doing he does know because at half time he does switch it and he does change it but just do it yourself make make sure that you're doing yourself justice and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but make sure that you're sticking to your principles because otherwise, what are you doing at, at the club? What are you doing to affect the team? Because when, I know this is me still going on further, but when you could tell at the end of Hassan Hussle's reign, he lost confidence in what he was doing and that's why it wasn't working. So if Jones has changed what was working and what he's got confidence in, we've just employed the same manager, but he's Welsh instead of Austrian. Hmm. <laughs> right we won't go through all of the quotes because i think jamie and mikey have said quite a lot of pr pretty great stuff in my opinion about what he said but ollie this is one of the things that he said a lot of people would have seen it but i want to hear your thoughts on it this is from mark wyatt on twitter one of the people that does the saints coverage really really well he said i've compromised my principles because of, of personnel and the way people want to play because of fans and so on but no more what do you think of that yeah, I've uh, read it quite a few times. And to me, it just sounds like a complete lack of accountability. And as a manager, you are accountable. That is your point. You are the senior head coach or first team manager or whatever it's called, whatever your position is called. You are accountable for the decisions you make. And it sounds like throughout the whole breakdown that he had on this uh, <laughs> press conference, he seemed to blame every single person apart from himself. And I think, first of all, it's really strange to so early in your managerial appointment decide to chuck anyone else under the bus apart from yourself. Um, and then also, yeah, talking about these kind of external factors, like are we talking about higher-ups telling you to play certain things or is it the players? Or the, who who is it? Or the fans? Are the fans like sending him letters telling him what they want to see? Like it's your decision <laughs> at the end of the day. I'm not going to step over what Mikey's already said because Mikey was 100% correct. It's your decision to make, and 
if it's if it's your ideas that got you the job, then employ those ideas. Or why weren't you even doing that at the start? Why weren't you trying to bring your philosophy in the four or five weeks during the World Cup? Why did you not put that in straight away? Why were you compromising your principles? Um, it's it's difficult to go off two sentences, but I don't like hearing it. I think it's first of all really rude to everyone else and it's basically just to kind of get everyone else off your back it hasn't worked it's actually turned against you and yeah it just shows a complete lack of accountability and kind of makes me worried because what's the direction here where are we going so you weren't doing what you want to do and now you're going to do it six seven weeks into your appointment it just it feels really misguided and just kind of adds another level of uncertainty to something we didn't already need it also feels quite disrespectful in just yeah. the fact that in 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 like in in your interview you call out Lavia like he's an eighteen year old kid like at the end of the day he's an eighteen year old nineteen year old kid like he's yeah. he's not he's been put into a situation where he's now one of the key players in a Premier League side and as much as he's probably got the technical quality for it that's huge mentally. Like from going from playing Premier League two last year to now playing Premier League football and probably one of the hardest leagues in the world. Like you're shoving him out into the limelight, and for him to say that afterwards, saying that, oh, I why were the fans booing? Because I didn't. They must have been watching a different game. I didn't see Lavia like running the midfield or something like that. Like. That that seems really disrespectful to the players. Like, I know it's just calling one of them out, but that could be in the next couple of weeks and calling all of them out. Like it it doesn't stop there. And I know that post match press conferences are probably quite difficult for managers anyway, because you're you're talking about literally highest adrenaline moment of a manager's career is during a game and you're talking about straight after a game, he's got a call off and he's straight in front of the media and He's just been told by his fan base for I don't know how many times that he doesn't know what he's doing and he's getting sacked in the morning and all this sort of stuff. And he's got to try and come in there and, you know, you must feel a little bit embarrassed like to to be in that situation where you're, you're three months into a job and already you're looking like you're going to lose it because it's not working. And he's just put the shields up and he hasn't taken anything of it on. Um which is it's a shame it is a shame um it, it does seem disrespectful and if you're also getting your tactical ideas if, if he's trying to go like he's trying to prove to the fans that this doesn't work now's not the time <laughs> like you like you can do it if we're eighth in the league and people are saying yeah play a fullback you can do it for one game and say look it doesn't work we're 20th in the league you've won one out of seven games in the league since you've come in this is not the time to start going, oh, no, it doesn't work because we're in the biggest trouble that we've been in the last five years at, the, at this point. We, we we are looking worse than we were when we were under Pellegrino and Hughes. Uh, that's how poor it is at the moment. Mikey, uh, sorry, Jamie, Mikey mentioned Romeo Lavia there and him sort of, not not blaming Lavia, but, but sort of saying, you know, there's a reason that I took him off. You know, the, the fans must have been seeing a different game. How do you think Lavia internally would react to that sort of comment? And maybe the other players as well, because they might be thinking, you know, if, if I've not had a great game, Jones might say that at a press conference in, just mm. for the whole world to see. I think maybe you can say about a player who's played 100 plus senior games, because they can probably take it on the chin and be like, you know what, that's fair enough. However, that is a young man who, as Mike said, has just started playing his senior career. 
And it's very, very naive comment from him because he obviously he claims to be his man manager, getting the players behind him. The players have to go by his system, and then they will love him and love him, love him, play for the man. However, that's not going to work when you this guy's probably got when you're insulting an 18 year old, and the senior players will see that, and everyone in the club club will see it, staff, whatnot, and will think, what on earth is this man saying? Because all you're doing is demoralising arguably one of our best players. And the players will get behind, will, will not go behind Jones and will get behind Lavia and think, what on earth are you doing? It is not on and they should not be doing it. One other quote that I'm going to read out to you, Ollie, was from Jacob Tanswell from Nathan Jones. And he said, at Luton, we were a real aggressive front-footed side. Statistically, there weren't any better than me around Europe for aggression, clean sheets, defending in your box and XG. And my answer to that, or maybe my query to that is, you know, if that's if that's the case, why why wouldn't you be doing that now? Why would you have to change that? Because that's all positive sides of the game. You, you're not going against looking to get clean sheets or looking to score goals. That That's what you have to do in football to get points on the board. Yeah, it's really, it's like, okay, well done. This isn't your interview for the job you need to be explaining why we just lost 3-0 to Brentford. So you're telling me you've tried to reduce the amount of clean sheets we've, we're trying to get <laughs> or we're trying to reduce the aggression? I don't. I really don't understand what he's trying to get across there apart from maybe trying to try and get some belief back into people thinking, oh, you know, this is the guy for the job. But that's not an answer to the question that he was given. And it doesn't really... I don't. I genuinely don't understand what he's trying to put across. Okay, yeah, well done. You were good at Luton. Why aren't you doing that here? Are you do the players on? Are they not responding to what you want them to do, or do you not want them to be as aggressive? I don't. I don't really understand what he's trying to get across in that point. It just seems some sort of like self gratification to try and prove that he is the man for the job, but it, we're not seeing it. So it's great that things happened in the past, but it's not happening now. We've seen it. Um, when he got appointed, Mike had pulled up a, a graph of how aggressive and how quickly Luton played on the transition. And I thought, OK, that would be that'll be interesting to see. You can see why they've made that appointment. And we want fast football, quick, pressing football. That's what Southampton's about. Um, and he's recognised that there. But then we're not seeing the output of that when he's managing us. So, yeah, a really strange thing to come out with. Uh, and something we haven't seen that he, he's he's talked about all these principles that he wants to try and implement and we're not seeing it. So, yeah, just a really, really strange thing to come out with. And the final thing on that is Mikey at the top of that, he says, I've gone away from what has been successful in the past. And my question is why? My answer is I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that doesn't make sense unless he believes that he doesn't have the personnel to do it which we know is wrong because we played a high pressing style counter-attacking-ish style under Hasenhutl we've we've had that we've had that style implemented for the last four or five years and the reason why he's been taken in is because he is a high pressing manager who will work with the squad this isn't like I, I know a lot of people like to think that a lot of higher ups in football clubs aren't are, are stupid and they don't know what they're doing and this is why he's been appointed they're not they would have looked at like Ramos Ankerson is one of the most highly influential 
people in the footballing world over the last 10 years. Everyone in the Premier League uses data now because he used it at Midgieland and they used it at Brentford. Like that is what this turnover is going. United employed eight analysts during the summer. Like they changed their entire department this summer to be more like the rest of the teams in the Premier League. So they're intelligent people who would have made an intelligent appointment and they wouldn't have just gone, oh, that guy, that Welsh one, he's doing really well at Luton. Like They <laughs> would have looked into it and seen what would have worked with this squad. And if it's, it's just even more baffling saying that he's changed things and he's not done the things right. And all because why wouldn't you we've employed you to do that like if it doesn't like do it your way and if it doesn't work it doesn't work it's fine we go down like it, at least you've done it your way and when you've tried to implement your style because it's not like this is now just at jones it's like you've been given an opportunity to manage in the premier league there are 20 managers in the premier league the opportunity doesn't come round often and you have to be in a really good run of form especially for a british manager to be given an opportunity in the premier league it's it's really really uncommon so you've been given this opportunity to make an impact in the biggest league in the world and you've chosen not to do it your way for the last 3 months just doesn't make sense so and that that's the well, that's what the backlash is for. It's not for the comments of Jones. Got that's what it's for. Is that well? What have you been doing? What what is your way? And why haven't we seen it yet? It's something he said is that there's going to be changes, Jamie. What changes do you mm. think there'll be? Obviously, we're not inside the clubs, so where we don't know who might have annoyed him, what systems that he might like, the people that you know you know might might be frustrating. But what what from the outside looking in, what do you think he might change? <laughs> I, honestly no idea because like, <laughs> what, what is there to change it seems like don't play our best players in a big game before a rele- relegation scrap I don't know like surely that's the common knowledge like I honestly have no idea what difference he could be doing because I'm not I never watched Luton football when he was a manager of it so I, I can't really comment on what differences he could actually make However, I just say I don't honestly have no idea what he thinks he can do because it's just pure arrogance of a man who clearly is out of depth and starting to realise it. I'm sort of venturing into the Wolves preview, and we'll get there a bit later, Ollie. But do you think it'll be a more of a personnel change? What sort of thing are you expecting or, or believing? Or are you in my boat and Jamie's boat? And I think most fans vote and where it's more about I'm actually quite interested more than oh I know what he's going to do now. Yeah, I'm interested to see what this next game is going to be. Okay, so this is you now. What is it exactly? Um, And I think what he'll do is he will put 11 players on the pitch that want to play his exact style. So we might see a lot of personnel change. We might not see Lavia start. We might not see Alcaraz start or something. We might just see some experienced players. Like the fact that he chose Theo Walcott to come on was very strange to me. But I think it might be because he likes to play Jones' style. So we might get something. He said previously a couple of weeks ago that uh, Theo Walcott's going to play a key part in our in our season. Interesting to me because I've the, the last few appearances I've seen of Theo Walcott, I have not been impressed. So, but could we see something like that where he brings in more experienced players to play his specific style, this new kind of rebrand, but not rebrand because it's his old thing. Christ knows. Um, but yeah. I think I think he might change up the the personnel. I think he's probably going to stick with a five because that's what he prefers. And I think when he's been saying compromising principles, he might have had some sort of 
discussion to play four because it makes it more expansive. But I think he's going to really stick with the five now and try and get his style implemented with a five. And then, yeah, I think he might change some of the personnel who like are appropriate to play whatever this specific, really high intensity, quick, you know. I, I think it might have something to do with the the long balls because everyone was saying that his football... Uh, was not very good in <laughs> in suitable for work terms, <laughs> uh, and he got you know criticised by the fans, literally singing it at him. And uh, to be fair, that's quite an external um, source that's telling him that his football's not very good. But we, unfortunately, we might see some more direct football, which especially with a, a six foot seven fella now up front. Yeah, very interesting. I'm I'm generally intrigued to watch the game now coming up because I want to see what he, he he's going to do. Just say, go for it. Like, he, yeah. he has to do what he's got to do. Just go yeah. for it. Fully throw yourself in there if you haven't done that for the last three months. And I think what Ollie said is probably right, is that he will go for more experienced players. At Luton, I don't think there were really players under 24, 25 that didn't start for him. Like They were all very experienced in the Football League, lots of appearances in the Football League. And that's probably why it works is because you've got players who sort of know what they're doing and know the league well. And we've taken this angle of where we've gone, but probably the most extreme youth signing that a summer has ever had, to be fair, where we've just <laughs> gone pretty much for everyone young and we haven't really built, a, we, we thought we'd be okay. And we, we haven't been. And uh, it, it, that would be what I'd be expecting is we'd probably have the oldest lineup we've had for the entire year play on, um, on Saturday against Wolves. So I'm guessing that's what we're leading into, Harry. I just sort of try to do that. Uh, you know, I, I, res I respect that. And there's there's a couple of big points, the big questions before the Wolves one. Jamie, do you see a long-term future at Southampton Football Club for Nathan Jones? If this long wall stuff comes back and it works with the personnel like having our six foot seven soon to be Saints God play maybe but um if it i said if that long ball stuff does work the most likely however i think he has one two maybe three games to prove that his his own style of football works if not he's gone and then put the money out and bring Pochettino back i'm right boys you know he spent the money on deadline day why not spend it on a manager uh, I don't think quite. I know a lot of the Twitterverse <laughs> think so, but yeah, I don't. I don't quite think uh, that'll happen. Uh, Ollie, yes. My question for you is: What do you think the board are going to do? Because for me, I think they'll they'll sit, chill, and wait a bit longer to see what happens. By that time, it could be too late. But for me, I think they're going to just sit, wait, and see what happens. I think they will have a quiet word with him and pull him aside and say. This is a warning. Do not out your players. Don't have a go at the fan base because this will only reduce the amount of time we will give you before we start questioning your position, which is already on ice, ice thin. <laughs> um, what's the word? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to put it delicately. Um, but yeah, I think they will basically reiterate that things are tight right now. And um, yeah. I think he hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't helped himself out, has he? It's only going to make things shorter for him. But we we will see. He's got one more very important game that he needs to get something out of, and we will see how that affects his position. 
Right, let's go around the circle before we get to Wolves. Are you Jones in or Jones out, Mikey? I'm Jones meh. I don't really <laughs> mind whether he, he is or not at this point. Like, if, if he if he stays, I'm very interested to see what happens against Wolves. If he goes, then I, I, I'm not fussed. Jamie. Jones in until the Wolves game, then yep. Jones out when we inevitably lose. That was, I was literally about, I was about to say, if we lose to Wolves, I think he needs to go and they need to basically admit that they've made a mistake. Because if you lose to probably, I think Brentford was a, if you set yourself up right, that you could get points out of that easily. Um, they're a tough team to play, especially at home, but we should have been getting something out of that considering the position we're in. And considering where Wolves are as well, if we lose to Wolves again, his record in the Premier League is just not good enough for him to, to stay in his position. If he loses to Wolves, I don't think he should keep his place. Yeah, I'm going to complete the set. I'm going to say Jones in. I'll give him Wolves, but I'll also give him Chelsea as well. And if it's no points from that point, then it might be time to go. Right. We've said the word Wolves quite a lot there. Now it's time to talk about them. It's probably not the best time to play them. They just come off a 3-0 win against Liverpool. I know Liverpool haven't been doing that well recently, but it doesn't make them a bad side either. Under Julian Lopetegui, they've lost just two of their six Premier League games with that both coming against the Manchester clubs. And they're now outside the relegation zone. They started in it, you know, when Everton beat Arsenal, but they thought pressure, what pressure? We'll get all three points <laughs> against the former Premier League winners. Mikey, what do you think about the game coming up? Um... Probably individually, you go Wolves have better players in most positions than us. I mean, the one that you point out most is Ruben Neves, who, how he's not got a move away at this point. Like, it's, I, I can a top six club just take him away from Wolves, please? Because he, <laughs> he earns them at least like six or seven points a year just by himself. So, um, yeah. I, I, Wolves are an interesting team because they shouldn't have been in the position that they were. Uh, when the, when the World Cup hit, you, you don't expect Wolves to be in the bottom uh, at bottom of the league. To be fair, with the team that they've got um, and the squad that they've managed to build, I think Raúl Jiménez not really being the same player after his head injury, which is understandable, but not really being that player. And they've missed that central striker. Of course, Diego Costa's played a couple of games which is just still quite weird um <laughs> but they they've really missed that central man especially when uh, of course uh Zik, the austrian lad Kalizic, his, yeah thank you very much he did his acl at the start of the year when we lost to them one nil they bought him in after a day and the, instantly after 45 minutes he did his acl and was out for the rest of the year which is very unfortunate for him but they've missed that nine and i think that that was key was them to change their manager and bring in someone that doesn't really play with a conventional single striker. They have players like Hang Wee Chan, um, like a Daniel Podonce who can sort of play as a striker and sort of almost like a, a you're gonna laugh when I say that, a bit of like a longer Mane partner. When you know when like Pella Pella got injured and we had Kuman had to switch to playing two up top and ended up being Mane and Long and you've got like two one that's not really a conventional striker, one that is but can't score goals. Uh, and they work really, really well together. And, and ended up that was Long's only double-figure season for the club is when he played up front with Mane. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what it feels like that they've done is they've sort of swapped it over. They've spent money in January as well with Lamina coming in, of course, who 
probably will score on the weekend, let's be oh, honest. Don't put that um, into the atmosphere, please. <laughs> yeah. please. And then Matthias Cunha came in as well from Atletico Madrid. So they've, they've bolted their squad. They've changed the way that they play. Um, and yeah, so far it's it's working wonders for them. I mean, they've played a 4-4-2 against Liverpool, got two really early goals and Liverpool are always fighting back after that. So yeah, they, they've had a really good upturn in their form and it'll be interesting to see how how they keep going for the rest of the year. There's there's a lot of teams down in the bottom six or seven that sometimes you don't you don't really expect it to be that close. And it is still like as much as we say if we don't win it if we win against Wolves, we're not actually out of the bottom three. But then we're only we're level on points with another team if the results go our way. So that it, it's still really, really close with what, fifteen games left of the season to go. Um so it's not again. I'm, I'm going to keep saying it until it actually is. It's not quite panic stations yet, but yeah. If if we don't get a result against Wolves, at least a draw, which we're, we're rubbish at home against Wolves as well. Um, but mm. if we don't yeah. get, get at least a draw, then things will start becoming panic stations. Definitely. Oh yeah, Saravia as well against Liverpool was very very good. Another one of their January editions, and Craig Dawson as well. Yeah. So a couple of people <laughs> to look out for as well. Got got a goal in his debut. Jamie, what do you expect the atmosphere is going to be like at St Mary's? I think that's the main question. Mm. Um, I, I think it'll be very interesting seeing what the attendance is because I think lots of main figureheads of the Samson Twitter are saying they're not going to go to the game anymore. Oh. So I think it'll be very similar to the um, the City game when we did win in 2 0. Like, like, was it 20,000 people showed up? I think it'll be very similar, a bit, of a bit of a protest sort of vibe of not wanting to see Jones in the club anymore. But I don't think the Northern always rocks and obviously the weird itching North crew that well, always had the weird... I, I just don't like the rivalry oh. uh, between stands. It's joined oh, together. No. I would say join together and make it better rather than having the weird, weird rivalry between them. Nah, I like but, it. Um, I think it's quite cool. Well, is it cool having rival fans? I don't think it's actual rivalry, Jamie. It's a bit like... They're not they throwing a bit stones at each other. They're just... <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, this is... This is Come on, rile it up. Yeah, it's very thinking. No, it gets it bouncing off each other, brings the atmosphere up. I, I think it's quite a, quite a cool idea. Well, not... not As long as they're not actually getting aggressive with each other. But I, I sincerely doubt that. Anyway, so we, we know that we know that Jones <laughs> wants to see something different and he'll play something different. But Ollie, who do you want to see if he's going to mix things up? Who's someone that you know you want to bring out the shadows? Um, I don't think I really want. I don't want to like. I want Coletta Car to play. I don't want to play in an under twenty threes game again. <laughs> yeah, um, and fair. he's also experienced as well. So I'm really surprised that he didn't he didn't pick um, Coletta Car. I really want a four at the back, but I think he will play five at the back. Um, even though I don't think we really have the players for it. I think he's going to pick Bree because he can do Nathan Jones's style. Um, but I don't see him dropping Walker Peters either. Uh, um, but who else do I want to see? I want to see Lavia play because wouldn't it be lovely if he could just prove his point to Nathan Jones? I mean, just to, to show that he can do it and he can run a game. That would be lovely. Orsic as well is experienced. So it's amazing how... Nathan Jones doesn't use these experienced players. He brought Benarak for his leadership, but let's put some experience in there. So yeah, if we can get some experienced players that also have something to prove, I think that'd be a good recipe for success. Right, Southampton v Wolves, score prediction time. Jamie, what are you saying? Well, I think if there's anything that we can do is 
beat a side that just beat uh, top six. You know, it's typical Saints. You know, we get the cheeky wins off the teams in form. Well, not really Brentford, but um, <laughs> uh, a hopeful. <laughs> shut up, Mike. Um, a hopeful one nil. A hopeful one nil, Mikey. We're gonna get three points, one point, or none. I'm just expecting long ball to Onoachi, who yeah. is actually statistically uh, quite poor in the air, even though he's six foot seven. So, yeah, he <laughs> that's that's I was reading about it on on Twitter. I can't remember the the guy's name, but there's a guy who just knows everything about him, and um, he said he actually just uh, like brings everything down with his chest. He's not actually very mm. good at heading the ball. So, no, he's not very good at no. uh, the, the he's similar to Brozier. I think he had a late growth spurt or or whatever because he just he, he's not adept with playing the ball on his head um hmm. i don't know <laughs> one really one with tough, hope is that is oh, that a thing that's what like, i was gonna say I was gonna i'm say i'm turning into ollie every single yeah. week I'm just hoping <laughs> one, one see you draw. get it isn't it? It's, it's a nice yeah. thing it's just straight down the line no messing about not many goals it's somewhat <laughs> hopeful one all that's what i was gonna say and then mikey nicked it so i'm not gonna change it i'm gonna keep it it's one all Tizzy, what about you, mate? I mean, I was going to say one all as well. I just, we need to get a point <laughs> on the board somewhere. Every time we say yeah. one all, it's the least ho- the least hopeful score prediction because yeah, you're thinking we're not going to keep a clean sheet. Not going to keep a clean sheet. They might, you know. Hopefully, we'll get a goal at some yeah. point. Um, we have beaten them at home before. I, I think Nathan Redmond scored a couple. And we won Shane three Long one scored. Or Shane Long scored in that game. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That's how I remember. Mario think... a shit assist. While ago, that's so, the last time we beat Wolves at home. That's the, that's how yeah. while ago it was. We all think we're getting points or points singular. Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. Anyway, that's all we've got time for for this week's podcast. We looked at the Newcastle game, we looked at the Brentford game, but more importantly, we looked at Nathan Jones, his comments, and his future, as well as previewed the game coming up against Wolves very very soon. Please. Leave us a review. Leave us a star rating on Spotify. It really, really does help. I've been Harry Tizzard. I've been joined by Jamie Allen. Thank you very much for listening. Mikey Maysman. Goodbye. And Ollie Boast. See you later. Hopefully next week we'll be having a look you know, at the, wall, the win against Wolves and also a possible win against Chelsea. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.